Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, I'm Hadley Heath Manning, Director of Policy at Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to be joined on our airwaves by Amy Cook, who is the Executive Vice President at Independence Institute in Denver, Colorado. And Amy's also a Senior Fellow with Independent Women's Forum. Today, we're going to be talking about Earth Day. Thank you, Amy, for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Hadley. Sure. So uh, Earth Day is upon us. It's something that happens once a year in April. What more can you tell us about this holiday? What is Earth Day all about? Well, it, it's every day, or every day, every year on the 22nd of April. Right now we're at, uh, they've been celebrating since 1970. So 48 years ago it started. So the 22nd of April, uh, every year, the environmental movement has uh, tries to bring sort of or highlight what we're doing to the earth, what the industrial movement or industrialization has done to the planet. What started off, I think, as a really positive influence, things like um, – you know, bringing to light that we should be taking care of, of the planet uh, has morphed into really almost an anti-people movement. Remember, we've, it's been going on for 48 years. Or actually, Earth Day itself is looking forward to its 50th anniversary, which will be in 2020. I mean, they're already planning for its 50th anniversary. But this this movement that started off as just highlighting and uh, really trying to make people take notice that there are trade-offs to industrialization and we need to be careful when, you know, rather, you know, you don't want to waste resources, you want to conserve. I mean, all of those things that are good, good business practices and really good for the environment, um, that's what it started off as. Now, now we're... We have gone to a point where this has almost become what I would consider to be an anti-people movement. So we look at Earth Day, and we look at it here at the Independence Institute, and certainly in the column that I wrote for Independent Women's Forum, is that um, while, while we, yes, again, good business practice, but we should also, we should also look at the benefits that these natural resources provide for us. Now, the fossil fuels that make our lifestyle possible, plastics, which are used um, to, to save lives, things like that. It's, industrialization is not all bad. Right. And I like that you use the word trade-offs because that's a lot of what um, not just about public policy decision-making is about, but even at the individual level, families and households have to make decisions about how to be good stewards of the things we consume, including energy and household products and so forth. And of course, companies have decisions to make too that, you know, with regard to environmental policies. But I do want to talk to you as someone who does follow, you know, our our federal and, and state level policies that deal with the environment. I want to get your take, Amy, on how you think that we're doing as the United States of America um, in terms of, you know, honoring the resources that we've been given um, on this planet, on on Earth, while also keeping in mind those trade-offs that you mentioned. 
So one of the things I love about the current attitude coming from the federal executive branch is that they look at natural resources, a a healthy economy, and a healthy environment. None of those things are mutually exclusive of each other. That, That we should be good stewards of the planet, and we will be, And that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the benefits of our resource development. And actually, Hadley, we've gotten so much better at developing our resources. So, for instance, a prime example is, um, and you see this coming out of the executive branch, is sort of um, an attitude, innovation versus regulation. In other words, favoring innovation and technology versus uh, over draconian regulations. It is that attitude that brought us things like hydraulic fracturing and what we call horizontal drilling. So if you really are a true environmentalist and in the set intellectually honest you should be all for hydraulic fracturing and, and horizontal drilling. We have been able to reduce the, the footprint, the surface footprint of developing oil and natural gas significantly, significantly. So out of one small pad, you could, what could, would have been dozens of oil wells or gas, natural gas wells, now is, is concentrated in one small pad because, one, they can do this hydraulic fracturing, and then they can go horizontal. And subject, they can go horizontal so far, you know, one to two miles. And they're going down, say, seven to 8,000 feet and, 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 then, and then drilling horizontally. So well below sort of water tables and then being able to go into places that they couldn't get to anymore. That's why you hear things like our recoverable oil and gas reserves are so much greater than what we thought they were previously. And that's why we don't have to rely upon countries that may not necessarily like us for our oil and gas because of innovation and technology that is only made possible by developing the natural resources we have right here in the United States. So it's about trade-offs, but we've gotten so much better at how we utilize our resources. And our air is cleaner. Our waters are cleaner. We should be celebrating how much better we are doing now. That's great news. And it's funny you mentioned those other countries that we might de- depend on for oil and uh, some of those resources. Because speaking on behalf of the Independent Women's Forum, sometimes those countries don't treat women as well as we would like for them to do either. So so there's a lot of uh, geopolitics involved there. But um, I do want to play devil's advocate a little bit, Amy, and, and just push back because I do think that people who um, consider themselves environmentalists or who follow environmental policy um, might mention a few of the, or they might have seen some of the headlines 
coming out of the Trump administration that, um, you know, they've, they, they might say, well, these things are bad. These things are troubling. And, and in particular, I mean, the Trump administration said we're abandoning the clean power plan, which sounds like a, a good thing. Maybe you can talk about that. And then he's reduced, the president has reduced the size of certain national monuments. I know that's concerned some people, including Patagonia, the company that uh, put on their website, you know, stop taking our land. So tell us what, what are those things about? And, you know, should we be concerned um, if the Trump administration is, you know, going willy nilly with our natural resources and disrespecting Mother Earth. Is that what's going on here? So um, as part of the transition team for the EPA, one of the things that we did is developed an agency action plan. And clearly that involved dealing with the clean power plan. Here's the thing with the clean power plan. It was likely unconstitutional. The a number of states' attorneys general actually sued the EPA and the federal government under the Obama administration over the Clean Power Plan because the federal government has no jurisdiction there. So they sued. They got a historic stay against it. In other words, the EPA couldn't even continue implementing it until it made its way through the court process. So it just because it well it's unconstitutional at the federal level and we recognize that on the transition team that does not say that states can't move forward with some sort of clean power plan if they want to it's just that it isn't coming as a federal mandate nor should it because that is the purview of each individual state now, the other thing is you look back at the trade-offs of the clean power plan. So let's say your state decides to move forward with it. Like Colorado's XL Energy is trying to move forward with it. Absent any legislative mandate, um, it is relying upon a, a, an executive branch, um, an executive order from Governor Hickenlooper. There, again, you get back to trade-offs. Do you want to drive up the price of electricity so high that low income, now low income Coloradans and others are having to decide, or am I going to be able to afford my copay or do I have to pay my, my, my light, my electric, my electric bill or my natural gas bill, my, my um, heating bill? So it's about trade-offs, but at the federal level, it was an unconstitutional mandate, and that's one of the reasons why it deserved to be tossed, besides the fact that it's just bad policy, because it was going to drive up the price of electricity with not almost an immeasurable impact on greenhouse gas emissions, and that was by the EPA's own that was that was their own judgment of the plan. That was their own analysis of the plan. It was going to have virtually no impact on on greenhouse gas emissions. Yet it was going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, to the U.S. economy, and it was unconstitutional. So tossing it was the right thing to do. But if states want to go ahead with it, they can. Mm-hmm. What about the National Monument thing? Because I know President Trump got some ah uh, yes. About that. Um, using the Antiquities Act. Well, what it, what we had seen about that is that 
over the course of time, administrations, both Republican and Democrat, have been abusing the Antiquities Act. The Antiquities Act was designed to protect artifacts using the smallest amount of area possible. What administrations were doing was using it to essentially put off limits entire swaths of land. Now, this land is still owned by the federal government. So when when Patagonia or others are saying, oh, they're going to privatize federal land, nothing could be further from the truth. The federal government still owns that land. They just haven't limited its use the way you would under a national monument. And it was that abuse of the Antiquities Act that was allowing the federal government to do it. The Trump administration and Secretary Zinke, to their credit, looked at the Antiquities Act and looked at how we were using it and said, you know what, we're not going to do this. We're going to take input from locals and listen to them rather than a handful of special interest groups like Patagonia and some others, we're going to actually listen to the people on the ground. The most famous one that they rolled back was Bears Ears. And if you talk to some of the, especially the local tribes that that rely upon Bears Ears, they did not want that as a national monument. They used that land as, as their tribe has used that land for... A, you know, generations, and the Antiquities Act essentially was going to prevent them. Well, the the monument de- designation that um, uh, that the Obama administration placed on Bears Ears, you, citing the Antiquities Act, was preventing them from using it the way their ancestors had used the land. So, this abuse of the Antiquities Act and rolling back national monuments. When I say rolling back, I mean scaling them back. It doesn't mean getting rid of them. It just means reducing their size because when you expand them, you really reduce the the usage of those areas. There, there are certain groups of people that don't get to use that area anymore. It really takes it off limits to them. Uh, so I commend the president and Secretary Zinke for looking at this act that has become so badly abused and listening to locals about what kind of designation they would like to see. Yeah, it sounds like, unfortunately, there was a lot of fear-mongering and, and falsehood about what was actually going on there. But I do want to get back to Earth Day, and I, I want to ask you this sort of one more question, because you did mention that you, you wrote a great piece for us at Independent Women's Forum. People can read it on iwf.org, and it's about this year's theme for Earth Day, which, if I understand correctly, is about reducing the use of plastics. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what you've written for us? And, you know, I think your your piece really does a good job reminding people that plastics have actually changed life for the better in so many ways. I, I have a toddler, and one of the things that you wrote about was that shampoo bottles actually used to be made of glass. And I'm like horrified to think <laughs> my child could drop a glass shampoo bottle in her bathtub with her. I've never lived um, or certainly haven't parented during a time when plastic shampoo bottles weren't a thing. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you've you've written for us about Earth Day and about the use of plastics generally. And if you have any suggestions for our listeners for, you know, what we should actually be doing, if anything, uh, to celebrate Earth Day this year. So Earth Day 2018 is focused on ending plastic pollution. And I think everyone is probably in agreement that, yes, we should reduce 
waste and and reduce pollution as much as humanly possible. I don't know anybody who's opposed to that. But what I fear on something like Earth Day where they say end plastic pollution, and actually I took a I took a, a quiz on Earth Day about what my plastic footprint was. And I, and I don't know if it's large or small, but I realize all the areas where I use plastic. And and I don't feel bad about that because I'm not dumping plastic in, you know, I'm not throwing it out in somebody's yard. I mean, I, I you know, recycling when you can, doing all of those things. But plastic doesn't deserve the bad rap that Earth Day 2018 is giving it. And so you mentioned the plastic shampoo bottle. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember that there was a time when you didn't have a plastic shampoo bottle. It was glass and you were afraid that it, you could drop it in the in the tub and it would shatter. I mean, that's very real. Here's another one. So a friend of mine was in Russia and got sick there and had to go, I mean, like almost died sick, had to go to a Russian hospital. The syringe was not the type we have here in the United States, plastic disposable, right? Where, 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 where one use, you toss it horrified because they were using a glass syringe and reusing them over and over again. Now, wrap your mind around that. There is nothing. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if if that's all you have, okay. But we have the, the impact of plastic on our way of life and on just general health you talked about you know toddlers how many do you give them you give them uh tupperware to play with or something or you go to the park with a with a sippy cup or or toys or uh like i said the syringes any think of a a, a preemie incubator If you want to know the importance of plastic, there's a great book called Five Days at Memorial Hospital and what it's like to not have access to basic resources. This was a hospital in New Orleans um, and what they went through in Hurricane Katrina and a a doctor having to manually, manually um, incubate preemies. Because their plastic incubators, like for one, they couldn't take them with them, and two, they had no, they had no power. So we we need to celebrate on Earth Day 2018. I always say, celebrate what we have been given, what the Earth gives us, rather than say, oh my gosh, we have to stop using fossil fuels. We're sinning against the planet. I think we all know we should conserve and be good stewards, but they're not mutually exclusive. It's about trade-offs. And frankly, I think our generation has done a great job with those trade-offs. That's great to hear, Amy. I'm really excited about this uh, new angle on Earth Day that, yes, we should celebrate all that the Earth gives us, all the resources and all the ways that we're able to use those resources to improve lives, uh, to prolong lives, to make lives better and more 
filled with flourishing. So I think it's a, a very happy Earth Day indeed when we look at it through that lens. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Again, I'm Hadley Heath Manning, Director of Policy for Independent Women's Forum. I've been talking with Amy Cook, who is Executive Vice President at Independence Institute in Denver, Colorado, and a Senior Fellow with Independent Women's Forum. Amy's written about Earth Day for us on IWF.org. You can also find more information there about some of the topics that we've covered, including the Clean Power Plan, the reduction of the National Monuments under the Antiquities Act, um, and so much more related to earth, energy, and environment issues. So thanks for everyone who's tuned in, and thank you especially to my guest, Amy. We hope we can have you back on the podcast sometime. And this will be uh, it for this edition of our Working for Women podcast. Thanks. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.